Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. In Japanese culture, water harbours the essence of ghosts. It acts as a portal to the other side through lakes, rivers and even bathwater. Among the murky depths of Japan's waters lives a creature who is believed to help humans or cause them great harm if they tread too close. Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. And this week, we're looking into the mysterious creature in Japanese folklore known as the Kappa. Hello, my lovely friends. Um, I'm just letting you know that I have got a bit of a cold, so I do sound a little bit strange today. It's not paranormal, that's for sure. Well, as always, we kick things off with this week's fact or fiction and listen for the answer at the end. The name Kappa, spelled K-A-P-P-A, comes from the small indent on their heads, these creatures' heads, and it looks similar to a cap. Is this fact or fiction? Find out at the end of the show. Deep in the waters of Japan lives the kappas. They're known as a type of kami, the Japanese term for deity, divinity or spirit. And they're about the size of a 10-year-old child. And appearance-wise, they're something between a monkey and a fish. Kappas are mischievous beings, their behaviour ranging from minor misdemeanours, such as pranks, to looking up a woman's kimono, to far more vicious acts of violence and murder even. And let's not leave this one out, eating human flesh. Their killing method of choice is, naturally, of course, drowning. um, And they wait for the riverbed for their victims and bide their time until an unsuspecting person, child or animal walks past. Though they can be formidable and menacing, they can also act amicably towards humans, especially if there's something in it for them. The precise origins of this legend are unclear. Depictions of kappas can be traced back to the Edo period in Japan from 1603 to 1867. Hokusai, the artist behind the famous Great Wave woodblock print, depicted this creature in one of his now famous pieces of art. Kappas have appeared in Japanese prints, tapestries, scrolls and statues for centuries, staking their claim in Japanese culture. Appearance-wise, kappas are roughly humanoid in form. They're said to be the size of a child, clumsy on land, but thrive in summer waters. Typically, their skin is greenish in colour, either slimy or scaly, with webbed hands and feet with a turtle-like carupade on their back. They have three anuses, which allow them to pass three times as much gas as humans. 
I tell you what, I didn't think I'd be saying that today. Despite their small stature, they are physically stronger than a grown man. They smell like and can sm- <laughs> They smell like and can swim like fish. And according to accounts, a kappa's arms are connected to each other through the torso and can slide from one side to the other. The cucumber is thought to be the kappa's favourite meal, and at festivals, offerings of cucumber are frequently made to kappas. There are signs which depict the danger of the kappa for Japanese children, similar to warnings of drowning hazards near lakes and rivers. The kappa, in this sense, is not dissimilar to old wives' tales, which exist to scare children into behaving and not getting into too much trouble. And I'm looking at a couple of the signs here, and they are funny and quite gruesome. There's a kappa, its head's coming out of the water. It's a sign on a, on a just in front of a pond, and the kappa's coming out. looks a little bit like the Grinch, to be honest. And then there's this red cap on top of of its head and it looks like this creature's about to eat you. You wouldn't go near that, you'd be too scared to death as a child. During the Edo period in Edo or Old Tokyo, there was a tradition where people write the names of their family members on cucumbers and send them afloat into the streams to placate the cappers and prevent their family from coming to harm in the streams. Safeguarding measures also included eating a cucumber before swimming for protection from the kappa but other regions believe this might guarantee an attack. Kappas are great at wrestling. My goodness, is there no end to this creature's talent? Uh, another characteristic which makes them formidable opponents. This is how they lure you in effectively, by staying close and undetected by the riverbed, then pulling you down with the force of a grown man. What happens next? Again, such an old legend has variations. Some say they will drink your blood, eat your liver, or gain power by taking your shirakodama a mythical ball said to contain the soul. Horses and cows are two animals which the kappa will target specifically, and references to this are found throughout Japan today. The Irish writer Lafcadio Hearn, known for introducing Japanese culture and literature to the West in the late 1800s, wrote a story of a horse-stealing kappa who was captured and swore to never harm people again. So... With all the antagonistic qualities of a kappa, its immense strength, camouflage and sinister motives, how do you go about fending it off long enough to make a lucky escape or defeat it for good? It was believed that escape was incredibly unlikely when confronted with a kappa. But as they're obsessed with politeness, if a person makes a deep bow, it will return the gesture. This results in the kappa spilling the water held on its head, which grants its supernatural powers and its source of life. The kappa will stay frozen in that bowing position until its head is refilled with water from the river in which it lives. If a person refills it, the kappa is indebted to them and will serve that person for all eternity. The arms of kappas being able to move freely through their bodies is a potential weakness. If an arm is successfully detached from a kappa, they will perform favours or share knowledge in exchange for its return. Another method of defeat involves shogi or sumo wrestling. They will sometimes challenge a human being to wrestle or engage in other tests of skill. But don't worry, you don't have to be a strong wrestler to beat them. You need to spill the water from their head. Well, of course, of course. One Japanese folktale mentions a farmer who promises his daughter's hand in marriage to a kappa in return for the irrigation of his land. 
The farmer's daughter then asked the capper to submerge gourds in water. Cappers are incredibly averse to gourd, as some sort of um, vegetable, I think, as well as iron, sesame and ginger. The capper fails their task and retreats, saving the farmer's daughter from marriage. There are shrines across Japan which appease the cappers, acknowledging them as a water deity and placating the capper in order to obtain a good harvest. Some of these festivals still take place today. And if you're looking to investigate this mythical creature, or perhaps you just want to visit Japan, there's a couple of places you need to put on your list. First is the waters of Tono in the Aiwate Prefecture. Uh, there is a Buddhist temple here featuring dog statues with the same dip on their heads as the Kappas. And it's said that these statues are dedicated to the Kappa, who, according to legend, helped extinguish a fire at the temple. Another Buddhist temple in the Asakusa district of Tokyo is said to house a mummified arm of a kappa, placed there in 1818 towards the end of the Edo period. Kunio Yanagita, author of the Tono Monogatari, the Japanese equivalent of the Brothers Grimm fairy tales, has recorded women from the late Edo period believing that they were accosted and even impregnated by kappas. Their offerings were said to be repulsive to be behold and were generally buried. These beings have been noticed in other cultures as well. Loose Lips, the podcast where we give our expert, not so expert advice. Join us as we figure life out one episode at a time. Yeah, you don't want them break dancing in the middle of <laughs> Weatherspoons, do you really? A tanned ankle, no socks, boat shoes. So they have like a partially tanned foot. <laughs> so you got through it? Yeah, well, I mean, well, we're not together now. But... Oh, well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say I'm furious. High five yourself, boom. Whoop, another life saved, you know? Find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search List Slips for weekly topics and some seriously juicy listener dilemmas. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
a creature known as Sayukoi in the Philippine Islands is known for kidnapping children by the water's edge. Chinese and Scandinavian law follow close to the Japanese law, noting the kappa's affinity for drowning horses. A frog face Vodjanoi is known in Slavic mythology, especially in the Czech Republic and or Slovakia. These creatures certainly seem like the stuff of folklore. Mischievous little water goblins, and you can see them all around Japan in the modern age, on signs by bodies of water to prevent children from jumping in and drowning themselves. And it's interesting that they transcend to different countries. Is this a good analogy to ward rowdy kids away from the water's edge? Or, with hundreds of years of sightings, festivals, worship and tales of impregnation, could the kappa truly exist? Well, I always think that these myths and legends are incredibly fascinating. Could the kappa be real? Who knows, but the creature has derived from somewhere. And I'd love to know where the actual stories first came from. Perhaps these creatures are connected to the aliens. Uh, they're known to us as the lizard people, who some believe, and I have met some of these people, exist, that they are amongst us now. And you know my saying, seeing is believing. I'm yet to see a lizard person. For me, the Japanese have some really fascinating and frightening ghost stories that are based on real cases. And here's just a quick list taken from the G-A-I-G-I-N pot blog. Okay, so the first one is the doll that grows human hair. Forgive my pronunciation, I'm sure I'm going to get some of this wrong. The story goes that in 1918 in Hokkaido, Ikichi Suzuki purchased for his young sister, Kikiko, a traditional Japanese okapa, which is a bobcut hairstyle doll. Sadly, Kikuko died from a cold and the family kept the doll in a shrine to their daughter and named it Okiku. However, the family noticed something odd about the doll over time. Its hair was getting longer. The family believed the doll possessed the restless spirit of their deceased daughter and so looked after it until entrusting it into the care of the Mamenji Temple. There the doll remains, slowly, get this, still growing human hair. And you can visit the temple, but photography isn't allowed. Today, even after a few trims from the temple's priest, the doll's hair has grown past its knees. It has also supposedly upped its terror. The priests claim to have nightmares of Okiku, and visitors say the doll's mouth is slowly opening and sprouting baby teeth. And I'm going to read to you now some uh, more ghost stories, and these are real witness statements taken from a website, Savvy Tokyo. The first one is called The Old Woman. I drive for a living. One night, as I was driving through a passageway under a highway bridge in Kanagawa, I saw an old woman standing on the side of the road on the sidewalk behind the safety rail. It's a pedestrian area and not a busy street at all, so I didn't think anything of it. Then I saw her ahead of me again on the side of the road. I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me, but when I stopped at the next red light, still on the same road, there she was again. The light turned green, and when I stepped on the gas, she ran out in front of my truck. I slammed on the brakes and was sure I hit her, but when I got out of the truck, there was no one there. Down the street... From there, I found an old sign from the police asking for information regarding a hit-and-run accident, but I was too afraid to call and ask it if it was about an old woman. This next tale is ghost hunting gone wrong. 
Back in my university days, my mates and I decided to head up to the Tokohu region to check out this so-called haunted hotel. Everything up until we got near the hotel was completely normal, but after we'd parked and walked towards the location, things started getting weird. We had flashlights and were wandering around the building when it suddenly became very quiet. There weren't even any crickets. It was also much darker than we'd thought. Rural Tohoku isn't as well lit as Tokyo to begin with, but there weren't any lights from the highway that we could see. We walked through the entire hotel and grounds, didn't see any ghosts or anything all that was odd, to be honest, and decided to leave. But we couldn't find the car. It was supposed to be parked in this clearing a few hundred metres from the hotel, but there was no sign that we'd even driven into the area. After getting lost a few times, we finally made it back to the road itself, and there was the car, in the opposite lane, with its lights flashing and four flat tyres. The sun was completely up, and we realised we'd been exploring for nearly eight hours. One friend said it was aliens. The only thing I know is I walked into the woods before midnight with a full phone battery and walked out with them after what felt like no more than two hours to the early morning with a complete dead phone. The next story is Bad Apartment. I live in a five-storey apartment building in downtown Nagoya. It's not a new building, but it's not a dump either. Rent is pretty cheap and it's well-maintained, but otherwise unremarkable. I live in an end unit and thought my only neighbour was horrible. The first week I lived there, they would bang on the wall constantly. I know I was noisy when I moved in and was putting my furniture together, but come on. I thought they'd chill out after I had my place sorted, but no such luck. I dealt with it for a month, but then the smell started. It just smells so wrong in there, like old garbage and human waste. I caved and called the building management company, who said they'd look into it. They called back and told me that the apartment had been empty since before I moved in. I told them about seeing the door partially open once or twice, thinking it might be a squatter, so they sent someone out. The staff and a cop knock on the door, head in and find absolutely nothing. It was spotless, no garbage anywhere, no signs anyone had been living there whatsoever. It didn't smell either. So what was all that? I start talking to the lady who cleans the apartment building and she tells me my apartment was a Jiko Bukin. Turns out the tenant before the last one was an old guy who died half in the bedroom closet. He'd fallen and banged on the wall for help but the old neighbours were on vacation and he'd eventually starved there. All the banging, the smells were coming from my own place the whole time. I still live there because, as I said, it was cheap. And so long as I leave the closet door open, I don't have any issues with banging or bad smells. Well, we've had a message here from Hannah, the science teacher I met at Shrewsbury Prison back in August. And she has a few ideas about how we could record paranormal data. Hi, Yvette. Uh, thank you so much for responding to my message on the December listener special. Jess and I were very excited and very, very excited that you could remember who we were. And um, so I've been giving the idea of investigating the knocking phenomena a bit of thought. And it would be really, really good to get some objective data on the phenomenon. It would be really fascinating to use some sort of, I don't know, like a, a vibration meter or measuring equipment to gather data on the knocking and then compare it to somebody knocking on the wall or the floor because the knocking phenomena is such a distinctive, diffuse, internal kind of noise. I've never heard anything like it. 
and I would imagine that there would be a massive amount of difference between data from somebody knocking on the wall, either side of the wall or on the ceiling or on the floor, and the data that comes from the knocking phenomenon. I mean, obviously you'd need controls in place, uh, but they could be done. I was also giving some thought to this 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 additional phenomena that different people in the same room hear it in different places. So I had a little look and maybe a directional microphone could generate some of the data. Now, once you've got objective data, then you can do all kind of statistical analysis on it to actually show that there is a difference. There's so, so much mileage in all the different ways that you could look into the phenomena. Um, and especially as you seem to be some sort of conduit for it and it happens so regularly with you. I'm sure there must be some fellow listeners out there in podcast land who could lend some expertise into like the equipment that we would need to do this. I also think it would be really, really cool to get you to a location that you don't know about and to test it there because then obviously that's a really cool control to show that there is no rigging of it, that it's happening spontaneously. So very, very, very best wishes. Uh, Look forward to hearing from you. I'm very excited about this. Uh, Take care, Hannah. Hi, Hannah. I love the thought that you've been really thinking about this. Come on, let's do it. Yes, if you're happy to help out, that would be so fabulous. And funnily enough, even our two tech chaps on the theatre tour that we're currently doing have placed a very sensitive microphone onto the stage. And the audience can now hear the tapping and knocking clearly from the stage and all around us and that this sensitive microphone is picking up. It's absolutely amazing to hear. And wooden structures seem to get the better results although we still do get the sounds through stone and even water. Did I ever tell you about the time I was having a bath and put my head under the water and I could hear knocking? I think I did. (laughs) It's crazy, isn't it? So a location with wooden floorboards would be fab. Let me know what you think, Hannah. And big hugs and lots of love to you and Jess. Now, let's get the answer to this week's fact or fiction. To remind you, it was the name Kappa comes from the small indent on their heads, which looks similar to a cap. What do you think? After me telling you all that information, is it fact or fiction? Well, it's fiction. The name Kappa means river child, originating from the creature's small stature and water-dwelling nature. And the indent on their head is called the dish or sara. Uh, The dish carries water, and if it's damaged or the liquid is lost, the kappa is severely weakened and loses their supernatural powers. If you encounter one, just remember to keep it happy, or just aim for the head. Get in touch with me and share your stories at contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. And I am on WhatsApp. Please leave me a lovely phone message, 075-999-27537. Share with me your stories, your encounters, any ideas that you have. Or just say hi. I love to hear your voice. We are on Instagram and we share all our pictures and any videos that you send in. And the handle is at paranormalactivitypod. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And I'll be back again same time next week. But if you can't wait until then, visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early. Have a great week, stay safe, and remember, things aren't always as they seem. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.